Hello world, this is Adrian Hackney and welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Boss. Today we have an interesting topic, um, a topic that is kind of trending now when it comes to the workforce and the workplace and employees and kind of the mindset of uh, employees or a new movement. Um, and it's probably not a new movement because it's something that I believe we've done, you know, since the workforce probably was established, but maybe called it a different name. But what I'm talking about is quiet quitting. And if you haven't heard about the topic, or even if you you know hear that term, uh, quiet quitting, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think about quiet quitting? When I when I first seen the the post, it was on LinkedIn, and I was like, okay, uh, took it for face value, you know, took it literal. It means people are quitting quietly; they're not making a scene, they're leaving in good standing, and they're doing it like that when it comes to quitting their jobs. But it's quite the 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 contrary, quite the nuanced term and situation. Because as I read further into the post and looked into it further when it came to the actual article, it means that people, employees, workers are saying no and and quitting going above and beyond, quitting going above and beyond what their job duties are, their you know what's in their job description, and just sticking to the basics, just you know the bare minimum is is what quiet quitting means and is all about. Uh, it's not subscribing to the the mindset of hustle and bustle, the mindset of you gotta you gotta grind, you gotta work hard to to get ahead. But it's no, it's I'm gonna do do my nine to five, um, do my job, my basic job duties, and go home. I'm not gonna do anything more. I'm not gonna do less. I'm just gonna do what's in my job description. So there's a lot of um, to unpack here. You know me, I'm long-winded. <laughs> I'll try not to be super long. I'm trying to keep these episodes down to about 30 minutes. You know, I, I know how it could be. I mean, unless you got a you know, guest on or you got a good topic and you're really rocking and rolling. So sometimes it's going to be an hour. But my mindset, so when you <laughs> my mindset is going to always be going forward 30 minutes or less. But, you know, sometimes it's going to be over. So if, if I'm if I'm rocking and rolling, I'm just going to go with the situation. So just bear with me on that. But I thought it was interesting. It really it really intrigued me. And it, and it really was eye opening for me to read about this and read about how this is kind of the mindset of modern day workers currently in the workforce. And the the term um, it, it became recently uh, um popular or recently started to gain momentum again by a TikTok user. Um, and I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Uh, Zade Leplin um, on TikTok. If I'm not saying it right, please forgive me. Um, but yeah, Zade Leplin is the one who posted this, I believe in July um, about quiet quitting. And it was a quick video just about, you know, I'm not subscribing to the hustle and bustle and I'm just going to do you know what is healthy when it comes to my work-life balance at my job and it just took off and a lot of people were really interested in it and it really like I said a lot of it's got it got publicized a lot of places and it got a lot of exposure a lot of places online and different um news articles and news you no know, media outlets got a hold of it and was like wow so many people chimed in and was like yeah you know I, I cut back my hours at hours at work because I was you no know, burnt out or I was was tired of going above and beyond and not getting compensated for it I you know you know cut back this I started taking more vacations I started to really you know use my personal time off and really started to just leave work at work once I left um, and once I clocked out and it just, you know, people started sharing their stories about it. Um, and it was interesting. It was, it was like, man, OK, I understand you know, that mindset and I understand where people are coming from when they talk about that. Um, and for more context and things like that, I have links on Not Your Average Boss in this uh Post in a blog so you could check that out on Not Your Average Boss when you have time to kind of delve into it a little bit further. Um, but when when I think about my own life and look at you know over my own career and work history and experience when it comes to 
trying to go above and beyond and 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 the grind subscribing to the grind and hustle hard culture and and um work hard play hard type situation um you know i looked at you know as far as recently you know when i when i left my job as a manager um a lot of what they were saying was how i was feeling you know i didn't say i was quiet quiet quitting but that's kind of what I was doing, you know, because in my mind, I, I kind of checked out because I left, you know, I wanted to pursue my passions. I wanted to have time to spend with family and pursue the things I really wanted to do. Now, I really wasn't as passionate about that position anymore. Like when I first started, you know, I was passionate. I, I was, you know, I, I loved the, the program. I, I love what, you know, we were doing. And I was completely sold out to the to the thought of it, you know, or bought in um, to the vision, and, you know, I didn't question the work in the late hours. I didn't question, you know, doing what we had to do to, to you know, um, to keep it going and to be impactful and to grow it to over 100 um, employees now. No, I didn't. I didn't question it. You know, we. You need me to do this. I'm doing it. Uh, we need to make this happen. I'm making it happen. I need to stay late to make this happen. I'm staying late. I need to come in early to make it happen. I'm coming in early. I was salary, so you know, I could do pretty much what I needed to do to get my work done. But you know, sal- salary could be a slippery slope too because you know you don't have a particular nine to five. You you do you know on paper and in your mind you're like okay yeah I work from nine to six or whatever you work. Um, but when you're in management and you're in that position, you're a manager over a program, um, you have to work longer hours. There's going to be times where you got to make sacrifices and you have to, you know, go above and beyond um, the situation, go above and beyond what's in your job description. And a lot of things get added after the fact <laughs> Uh, when as the position evolves and as the company grows and as you know the client has different demands, things change when it comes to that type of environment. And most businesses are like that. Most companies are like that. You know, I was in customer service, so um, and client services, and it, it does shape differently. It does evolve when it comes to that. Change is the the one constant thing in those type of environments. And I was cool with that uh, initially, um, but you know when when Things started to change to where, you know, I, I kind of questioned and didn't really like how things were going. Um, I, I started to really s- sit back and be like, man, I'm kind of getting burnt out here, man. Like, it's not as um, meaningful for me right now. Like, my priorities seem to be changing. And um, when it comes to this, like, far as my my values, uh, I'm starting to value my, my, my time more, my family more. Um, I'm starting to value, you know, just not working and just spending, you know, time and just relaxing. I'm starting to value that more than I got to grind. I got to make it happen. We got to, you know, these goals we got to meet. We got this client's obligations we got to meet. You know, I was starting to see, okay, man, maybe it's, it's time for me to start looking for something else to do because, you know, I'm I'm stressed out a lot and stress comes with any job. You know, that's that's just a part of, of working stress. Um, but the level of stress is what we need to look at. You know, is it something that we could still handle or is it something that's becoming overwhelming? Because if it's something that's becoming overwhelming, then we have to look at maybe I, I need to you know, delegate more responsibilities to other people so I can be more balanced and get my work done. Because right now I have a lot of things on my plate and my plate is overfilling and I'm throwing things on the floor and I'm, I'm, I'm wasting potential here. I'm wasting, I'm wasting um, time and I'm, I'm not getting things done. I'm spinning my wheels. And I started to see that a lot, you know, and we were going through a lot of changes at the time. So of course I wanted to stick around uh, to make sure we were good. And we were, when I left, you know, we had, a strong team and things like that. So um, we were in a good place. So I felt good about you no know, leaving, but I, I didn't want to just leave um, without having it being more established because um, that was my baby. It was it started with three people, myself. Um, and I tell this story a lot because, you know, it's just it, I, mean, I like telling it for one. But for two, it kind of lays the foundation to understand the, you know, the different phases we go through in life and and leadership and um, in the workforce as a whole, but we started with three employees, myself, another associate and the program manager, and we built it from the ground up. 
and it was exciting. It was a fun time. It was a lot of pressure. It was a lot of stress. But at that time, I could handle the stress level, and I was cool with the stress level because I was so invested into the the vision that I was cool. But once I started to not become invested as much and started to question things and how we did things and not understanding the structure and and what's you no know, and why we couldn't have it structured to where it would be as beneficial as possible to the leaders and the uh, employees when I started to question why things were so micromanaging and all of that, then I started to look back and reevaluate, man, do I really want to keep doing this because I'm stressed out all the time and it's affecting my health, my mental health, my physical health, my, you know, family time. It started to take a lot of time from my, my, my life and I started to value other things more. Um, so, and, but you know, with that being said, I didn't want to, at that level of management, I didn't want to leave my, my peers stranded. I didn't want to leave, uh, my, my job, um, uh, high and dry or my employees, my team members high and dry. So I had to fight through that, you know, I had to you know, do what I had to do, talk to other leaders who felt the same way, which was everybody basically, because <laughs> we were all in the same boat of trying to uh, keep our head above water, which we were barely doing. But, you know, that helped. But, you know, taking time off when I could, that helped. But, you know, I didn't take a lot of time off. Uh, that was a personal choice, but it was a personal choice because the job demands, uh, it was, I knew what I would have to face when I came back from PTO. I knew I was going to have to deal with putting out fires again and work that's stacked up because, you know, that's your work doesn't go anywhere. Your workload doesn't go anywhere. We don't delegate. Maybe some things we delegated, but typically your workload and your responsibilities are your responsibilities when you come back from time off. So in the back of your head, you're not really relaxing when you're when you're taking time off because you're thinking about all the work you have to do when you get back. So it was just a vicious cycle of being feeling uh, un, unaccomplished or feeling um, overwhelmed and feeling like you're not getting anything done and feeling like you're failing because you're not getting anything done um, like you need to. So um, it was a it was a challenging time. So I understand the concept of quiet quitting. I didn't see it like that at the time. I didn't see it, you know, me, you know, quiet quitting, me just doing the basic uh, job responsibilities at the time. Um, but I, I was I was checking out, you know, I was definitely checking out and I didn't want to, you know, be in that position knowing that I was checking out and wasn't invested like I used to be. So um, but I'm thankful that I was able to leave in a good fashion and leave um, like I was supposed to get my you know, managers plenty of heads up to, to find somebody else and figure out a game plan. And um, we had plenty of leaders in place to support um, my team and uh, other teams um, my, before I left. So it was good. We were good. Um, and it was bittersweet because I met a lot of great people. So um, I don't take it away. And me saying all of this is not to to, you know, knock on them. You know, they know my grievances and things like that and my where I'm coming from with certain things and kind of where I wanted things to be and wanted to see. But I didn't get to see. Maybe it's like that now. Hopefully it is. It's been a year over a year since I've I've been there and I'm thankful um, that I'm in a position now to where I can work at my own pace you know, make my own schedule. Um, I, I'm in a better place now be, because of it. But, you know, ultimately I left to find my, my passions and, and spend more time with family. And I'm thankful that I'm, I'm, I can do that now. But I, I worked hard and I grinded to get to this point. But there's a lot to unpack when you talk about quiet quitting and the mindset of the modern day employee. Because we could look at quiet quitting or we could look at an employee doing their job, their basic job, um, description as something negative when it really is what they're, that's what they signed up to do in the first place. They signed up to do their job. So why are we looking down on them when they're just doing their job is my question. And, um, I'm not saying that all leaders do that. Um, some leaders do understand that, Hey, yeah, they, they signed up to do a job. They're doing the job long as they're doing the job. You know, even if it's the like we look at the bare minimum as something that's negative, and I'm going to get to that here in a second. But they're doing their job; they're meeting expectations. Okay, they're not exceeding expectations, but should we treat them differently because they're not exceeding expectations? You know, the answer should be no. But it, a lot of times we don't act that way as leaders. Even my own personal experience as a leader, it was all about you know being great, all about going above and beyond. It's all about you know. 
let's uh you know exceed these met expectations and when they exceeded them or when they met them it's like okay you could do a little bit more but i met the expectations no you could do a little bit more but aren't i green in all of these these categories here or all these metrics here yes you are yes and congratulations you're doing awesome keep doing that however you need to also focus on this it's like there's never any satisfaction or any pleasing when it comes to the culture that we've created. And that's the culture that we created. You know, when we look back over our lives, we look at our work history. We've been our society as a whole, even, you know, different parts of the world. Working hard is something that has been held to high esteem, you know, high regard. We, value, we, we respect people who work hard. When we hear those stories about those millionaires who started their businesses from the ground up, hard work pays off all the time. Um, you got to grind that hustle and grind culture. Um, um, sleep until you're dead, you know, that type of mentality. Or sleep when you're dead, not sleep until you're dead, sorry. <laughs> don't, sleep, don't sleep until you die, I'm just saying. Um, no, that... that I'll sleep when I'm dead mindset, you know, that's been engrafted, ingrained in us because of how we were brought up and how our society views those who have that mindset, because that's what it seems like it takes to get where they're at. You know, if I want to be a leader, if I want to um, have that type of status and have that type of influence, then I have to have this type of grind. And, you know, not, not saying there's not truth in that because there is truth in that. And I'm thankful for where I'm at. Um, because of it. You no, know, I give God the glory for it first and foremost. And after that, I look at the, you know, the grind. There was a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, tilling, tilling of the ground, a lot of planting of the seed when it came to my work ethic to now I'm reaping the harvest of that. You know, it took years to reap the harvest of things I've done in my career years ago, but now I'm seeing the benefit of it now. You see? So, and I started working when I was 13 years old. So my work ethic became the foundation uh, became cultivated at a young age. You know, I have great you know, parents who had a great example um, of hard work. And it was, you know, there's no quitters here. We don't quit. We start something, we finish it. That was my mentality for my whole you know, situation. And not saying that I wasn't lazy at times, not saying that I didn't, you know, uh, half-heartedly work and did mediocre, mediocre work and things like that um, and have to fight mediocrity. Um, just like anybody else, I'm not saying that I didn't ever have to do that, but the foundation was laid of hard work. And a, a lot of families um, in our society have that same structure when it comes to raising their children in a way to where we hold hard work to high esteem. And I'm not saying that this is wrong. I'm not saying it's wrong, but where it gets tricky and where it gets to where we have to kind of step back and look at is it really effective is when our children are burnt out or when we are their their health is, is is being impacted or they're not as functional as they could be enjoying life and, and being a kid and trying to f figure out and navigate that. Um, we, we can do more harm than good when we come at them in that regard. So we have to look at or in that aspect. So we have to look at, you know, pacing ourselves when it comes to, okay, our, our children, what do, what do they want to do in life? What, you know, cause I have three, I have uh, two in high school and one on the way. So I have, you know, they're, they're becoming young adults. So I have to now in this level, in this stage of their life, have to really make sure I'm helping them see what they want to do. And it's not forcing them. My parents didn't force me to do anything. They, you know, even the military, that was my choice. You know, I mean, I saw that that was really the only way um, to really establish myself in life and, and to set up something that I can be proud of and build on in the future and characteristics and principles and um, things I could build on in the future. Um, I, I went that way, you know. I didn't really want to go to school uh, school right out of high school, college. I didn't want to do that because I wasn't really good in, in high school. I went to college later on in life, but... I wasn't really good in school, so I was like, man, I don't want to go to college. So, you know, they gave me a year to figure things out, and in that year, I, I got into trouble and things like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of that, I was like, you know what? I need to figure out 
what I'm going to do with my life. And, you know, they had a real talk with my, my father and he's like, yo, you're going to have to get up out of this house and find something to do with your life. And I knew if I left the, the house in that mindset that I was in at the time, it was just going to be trouble, um, locked up or dead. And just to be 100 with you. Um, so I, I went into the military, but that work hard and that grind that was I was I was raised that way. You know, um, to not quit, you know. So when we're in positions where we we feel like quitting or we quit, because I mean, I left my job, so I, I did quit. I don't want to put it in that term because I, I, I left, you know, but I still quit. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, that I had to wrestle with that, too. That So that was all of us, uh, a mental block I had to get over, a mental hurdle I had to overcome. And that's that's why I say, you know, with the quiet quitting, it's, it's a lot to unpack there because, it's, it, it goes deeper than just I want to do my job and go home. It's OK. Why do I want to just do my job and go home, especially for the employees that were above and beyond type employees who did above and beyond and took initiative and was exceeding metrics and everything. And you no, know, definitely look at leadership, uh, leader prospects and things like that. Um, but now they're just they're just like, no, nah, I'm just doing basic. What changed? You know. Um, some people just come in like that because that's just how their mindset is, and that's fine. But some people are above and beyond in their thinking, but then revert to quiet quitting after a while. So we have to look at the foundation and the root cause of it, especially when we got a lot of attrition going on and people leaving left and right. Why is it? You know, is it really that bad? The job is the job. You knew what you were signing up for when it came to dealing with people in customer service who our pains in the butt sometimes, you know, you knew he's going to have to deal with that type of stuff, you know, um, and we, we take jobs to survive. I get that, too. Um, and this is a, this is temporary because I need money to survive right now, you know, so I'm just going to take this job and I'm going to make the best of it. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the basics and bare minimum because it's just a, a, a job I need money for. Um, I don't really see a career. So I think, you know, when we put more value on, on things, just kind of going back to what I said when I first started out as a manager, I had more value. And when I first started out in the program, I had more value. I was more invested into it because I saw the bigger picture. So when you don't become as invested in the, the job or career, then you're not going to be as motivated to go above and beyond. But, you know, it may just be that even if they like the job, I'm just going to do the basics because it's just I'm just getting paid for that. You know, I'm not getting paid anymore to do above what my base job description is. So we have to look at that, too, as businesses, as corporations, as organizations. Um, we have to look at how we can properly compensate our employees when it comes to their job, the output. Right. It's, it was the equity theory. Um, you know, I, I talked about that. You know, are they are they getting the equal amount of what they're putting putting in? Are we matching that for our salary benefits recognition? Are we matching the the energy they put they're putting in the hard work, their skills? Are we matching that when it comes to how we compensate? And if, it, if the answer is no, then we have to relook at that business model or relook at some things and structure wise or uh, a budget wise and shift some things around because ultimately we cannot have a successful organization or business without employees. Right now, starting out, you may, you know, you may be rocking and rolling, but if it gets big enough, you're going to need help from employees at some point in time. So you got to think about that. You know, we have to think about that as leaders, as business owners, we have to think about, Am I doing everything I can to keep my employees happy? And it doesn't mean you're going to make everybody happy. It doesn't mean, you know, you have to bend over backwards and, you know, you're, you're just trying to change things just for one group of people. No, I mean, have a model or a, a protocol or procedures or uh, a SOP standard of operations that is a blanket situation that comes in. People people understand, but it's also it's, it's fair across the board, no matter what mindset or what level of um, how they operate or how they work that they're on it's it's fair for everybody you know everybody can advance so if the one that comes in just wants to do the basic bare minimum then okay and they eventually want to go above and beyond then we got to have something for that and we have to have something for the bare minimum as well we have to engage our employees where they're at you know on every level that they're at we have to engage them and we can't look down on them we can't you know okay 
I'm, I'm going to make sure I, I meet with them. I'm going to I'm going to touch bases with them just as much as I touch bases with the ones that are going above and beyond and say they want to be leaders because, you know, I always I always purpose to have a meet and greet with my my team members, my new teams or um, I always do like a meet and greet, like a like an interview type situation is what they kind of joked and said, I'm doing a second interview. <laughs> but it was me understanding where they're coming from and what they you know, and building rapport and what they want to do when it comes to that. So I know which way to encourage them to go and what to put on their plate and things that I know that can sharpen them and their tools when it comes to that type of position. You know, uh, some just said they just want to work the job and they're cool with that. So, okay, so I'm going to lead you that way. You see what I'm saying? I'm going to not put a lot on your plate and things like that. You're just going to focus on doing your job and getting your stats the way they need to be to where you're meeting expectations, if you exceed them, great. But, you know, if you, you know, I'm going to still give you the tools to exceed them. However, I'm not going to harp on it and not going to get on you as much um, and put that pr- pressure, positive pressure, peer pressure on you like I would another employee who says that they want to be a leader. They want to be they want to have my job. OK, so you want to have my job. Then I'm going to have to train you as such when it comes to that. I'm going to try to put you in positions where you coach or put you in positions where you try to cheerlead and kind of be get people shout outs and things like that and you know try to be more involved in meetings and things like that. So I'm going to give you more responsibilities if that's what you say you want to do. So um, when, you, when, when you look at that, you have to develop a coaching plan, a, a productivity plan uh, catered and um, individualized to that team member. So you have to look at, you have to look at that. We have to build it based on what they're what they're trying to accomplish, what their goals are. So that's a good place to start when it comes to this um, mindset and, and and how to engage those who are quote unquote quiet quitting. And I'm gonna you say that several more times throughout the the podcast. But you know, some people may say, "Yo, why is it? It's kind of it's kind of like a negative word though." Like I think a misnomer is a, is a is a phrase to to use for that because it's like I'm not really quitting though, man. Like I'm I'm doing my job, so. I'm not really quitting. I just don't want to go above and beyond because I'm not getting compensated for it. So, and that's understandable, you know. So you're not you're not quitting because you're doing your job, and we shouldn't look at them as they're quitting. We should okay, they're doing their job. That's fine. I'm still going to give you the tools. You're going to see the emails with the tools to use this resource to help you sharpen and be more proficient at your job. So you may stumble upon, you know exceeding expectations and I'm going to celebrate you when the time comes. I'm also going to celebrate you when you're meeting expectations. So um, because when, when we when we have that mindset, it's going to help them feel like they're more involved because a lot of times we can praise the ones that are exceeding and, and, and carrying the department um, more than the ones that are doing the bare minimum, but are still carrying and, and contributing to the department as well. And I'm guilty of that, you know. I'm, I know I'm guilty of that, and I've had had you know unfavorable um, um, feedback because of that, and it really puts you in a position like, man, let me do. It's self-revelatory. Let me do a self-assessment and step back and really evaluate this because I thought I was doing what I needed to do to help them reach their full potential, but I'm doing the opposite and stifling their momentum and their motivation and being it's being counterproductive because I'm not motivating them correctly. I'm pushing them harder than they want to be pushed and need to be pushed. So it's counterproductive. So we have to understand where people are coming from and know where they're at in each stage of our relationship as far as our professional relationship and each stage of their their tenure there. Because in the beginning stage, they may be fired up, but then they may Things may happen. Changes may take place that they're not as fired up anymore and they just want to focus on doing the job and going home. And I have to respect that. You know, I can't go off of our initial meeting that they said they want to be uh, a leader or want my position. I have to go off now. They don't want that anymore. They want to focus on doing their job uh, and go home. And we have to adapt and adjust accordingly as leaders. If we want to keep our people motivated on all levels, um, and like I said, you, you can't please everybody all the time. But if we have a structure and have a plan in place that reaches everyone, that you know, it's it's not favoritism. It's not you know, it's 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 level to where it's the playing field's level. Anybody can advance 
um, here's the tools and we provide the tools to everyone and those ones who want to excel, excel and the ones who want to maintain the, the bare minimum, maintain the bare minimum, then we should just allow that to happen. And not saying that we don't try to encourage people um, to excel and, and, and be a, a positive uh, um, influence in their life to try to see their potential if we see the potential in them. It doesn't mean that, but it, it means back off <laughs> when they don't want to go that route, you know, and and let them come to us when the time comes and they they're they're more in a place of hey, I think I'm ready for this now. Yeah. So um, that's the best approach. And you know, yeah, I had a rock star team. Yeah, um, my my teams are rocking and rolling and things like that, and, and did some good things. Um, and I, I did see aspects of that leadership work when it came to. You know me being in the trenches like a servant leader, but also a leader that put pressure, positive pressure on them to you know be great all the time. I saw benefits of that, but that that's hard to sustain. You know, it was hard to sustain that. And you know, looking back over it, it's like I, I, w- I would do some things differently. You know, if I had another chance to do it, I'll do some things differently. Um, I still would be a proponent of work hard and hard work. Um, pays off. I'll still be a proponent of that, but I will take a step back and understand where people are coming from more and hear their feedback more when it comes to what they want to do. I get fired up when I see people want to be leaders and things like that. So of course I'm going to be more excited and, and show more excitement when I hear that type of stuff. But I, you know, for those who who are meeting their goals and and I have to celebrate the same way with them. You know, I have to celebrate the wins. We have to celebrate the wins on every level. Not just when they they apply for a leadership position or show interest in a leadership position, but more so when they the light bulb goes off and they're like, "Okay, I got this now." You know, I'm 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 doing my job. I'm coasting now. So, um, so yeah, you know, when we look at this topic, like I said, there's a lot to unpack here. It's it's, it's nuanced, um, and I, I attribute it a little bit to. Um, the mindset of our generation, you know, so this this post on Not Your Average Boss is called uh, Quiet Quitting, Thinking Outside the Generational Box. And, you know, we we and I'm going to get to the generations here in a second far as the age groups and things like that. But we can sometimes deal with people out of our generational box when it comes to how we do things and how we view the workforce, and how we view work ethic and things like that. We can uh, treat people on all levels like that. Um, and I'm already past the 30 minute mark. <laughs> Let's, um, we're going to take a break here, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to unpack this. We're going to take a break here at a brief, um, uh, commercial. Um, and then we'll get back to it, but yeah, uh, this is good. So just bear with me. Be back soon. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to not your average boss. So, and I'm going to try to make this as quick as possible. Like I said, <laughs> I already set, I set myself up uh, for failure on this one because I said 30 minutes and we're at past that mark. But that's fine. Hopefully you guys are getting some from it. Hopefully this is making sense. Hopefully you're getting encouraged. We're going to get to a point where this is going to help us. You know, I, Ultimately, when I, I heard about quiet quitting, it helped me because it made me understand where I was coming from and wh- what I felt at that time when I started the journey to leave my job. And I mean, it took over, it was a, it was what, 18 months. Like I knew I was going to leave my job for 18 months. Like that was the, that was the journey. Cause I had to prepare financially and things like that. I wanted to make sure we were in a better place when it came to the program. So it was an 18 months uh, stint after I decided in my mind that I was going to leave. So it was very challenging uh, to deal with um, that. Cause I had that thought in the back of my head, so I had to still find motivation and things like that. And um, I saw myself quietly quitting, you know, and my and my manager even got on me about it. It's like, you OK? And I, I, had a, you know, I mean, my manager, me, we were cool. We had a good relationship um, when it came to, to business and things like that. So we, we talked real. She's like, you good? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm kind of checking out, you know, and I, I hate to be like that because I'm the type that exceeds expectations. I'm the. You know, the go getter, the motivator, the positive dude and all that. But I was checking out, you know, and but I had to had to shake that off because I didn't want to 
um, project that onto my team members. So I did have to shake it off. And I, they, they didn't know until it was closer to the time um, I was going to leave. I mean, my, 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 my immediate boss knew pretty much right away, but uh, my team members didn't know till like a few months prior, prior to that, you know, uh, I didn't want to freak them out or rattle them or, you know, try to, um, you know, it'll take away from my relationship and my rapport that I built with them, me telling them I'm leaving. So I didn't tell them until a couple months before I left, a few months before I left. So, um, but I was checking out. So I had to, I had to really step back and, okay, I'm going to, I got to finish strong. So that was my mantra, finish strong. You know, that was my mantra. And, you know, when we go back to the, my, my military days and, and I look at that, um, it was, you got to suck it up and drive on. So that's what we dealt with, you know. Um, it was it started with the foundation of me working at 13 years old and my parents showing me a good work ethic. From there, it grew, and I built on that foundation when I went into the military and had to deal with, <laughs> there's no quitting, you suck it up and drive on, and, you know, that's out the window. The empathy is really out the window, um, especially when you're in a wartime scenario um, that I was in. There was no, you know, you have to think fast. You have to move fast because um, your life depended on it. You know, so when you're in that type of environment and, you know, you're um, trying to survive every day and your life is at risk every day, um, you get hardened. And, you know, you have to really try hard when you come out of that to relate to people and be empathetic and things like that. Um, had one of my employees because I was like, man, I'm a people person and this and that. He's like, nah, you, <laughs> you're really an introvert. You try hard to be a people person, and not saying you do bad at it. You're, you know, you're, you're decent, but I could tell you're an introvert. I could tell you're really not a people person. And you like to be by yourself and things like that. And they were right. Like, I mean, I, I was kind of taken back at first because I, I didn't see myself in that light. But you know, when you do disc training and uh, <laughs> when you look at a uh, personality flexing and things like that, and how you relate to people at work versus home, and I'm like, yo, I thought it was more of a, you know, um, like an inspiration, uh, interactive person. I'm more so like uh, more self conscious and more reserved and things like that, or I'm more demanding when I'm at home with my my children and things like that. More of a controller and um, and things like that. Um, so. It was interesting to see that dynamic and, and for people to actually see that. So I had to work hard, you know, and my, you know, military veterans uh, um, could probably relate to that. My military listeners could probably relate to trying hard to be empathetic when somebody hasn't been in the same situation you've been in and, you you know, hasn't been shot at or in your shoes and things like that or crazy things that we have to deal with uh, serving in the military. So, um but doesn't mean that they don't have their own story, their own struggle and their own challenges that are crazy, too. It's just that when, you know, their problems and they tell you what their problems are, it's not it doesn't equate to being shot at or almost killed every day um, level. It's hard to uh, it was hard to adjust for me at first, you know, um, but I always try to, you know, you got to take self out the picture. You got got to, you know, really do your best to listen and care um, about what they're saying. And it's not just being fake about it. People could see the fakeness. Like they saw through that, you know? Um, but I really did generally care. They saw it too, because I sacrificed a lot for them. So they saw that I generally care, cared, which I did. It's just that they also saw that I try hard to be a people person when I'm more reserved and more introverted. But, um, they saw I cared. I, that's why I had such a good rapport with all my teams. Um, some may have not liked me, but ultimately, the the consensus was man a dude cares for for us i could see he really cares he's a uh, in the trenches let me try this out let me work with you cuz i mean i basically help build it from the ground up so i'm i'm a trenches type of person i'm a lead from the front type of person with the the team members with the employees with the workers i'm i'm there i'm hands on um, and that's, that's, I mean, that's the only way I see it to be for me, you know, others may not be like that and that's fine. And, and whatever that works for them works for them. Some may be more demanding. I'm the, wasn't as demanding as some and that worked and they got things done too. So I, but I did what I did, um, good, you know, far as, you know, trying to be a, a motivator and things like that and influence people to try to remain positive as, as much as possible, even though there's crazy changes and things, you know, there's a lot of frustration and negativity going on. I, I tried to remain uh, a positive person and positive sounding board for people. And I hope I did that. But, um, 
but you know, I, I was good at what I was good at, and they were good at what they were good at, and and that's what we capitalize on. That's what the team is all about. You you capitalize on the strengths, you know, and you make each other strong as far as weaknesses, right? So. And that brings me to my next point when it comes to the generation and the generational boxes that we could put ourselves in. Each generation has their own strength, right? Um, we may have weaknesses. We may be like, oh, man, those Gen Zers, man, those, those Zoomers, they, they think they are. Uh, they, they think they know stuff and they're slackers and always coming up with something new. Look, we got a new term now, quiet quitting. See, that's Gen Z. No, it could be <laughs> it could be millennials, my generation. It could be baby boomers. It could be Gen Xers. I mean, it could be a, it's, it, it affects everybody the same way. Just because they came up with a cool uh, term for it, quiet quitting. Um, we still had that mentality. We still dealt with that type of situation. I dealt with it. I didn't call it quiet quitting, but that's what I was doing. I wasn't as on fire going above and beyond. And I was stepping back doing the bare minimum. So, yes, I, I fall into that category of quiet quitting. So um, it's not we can't just leave it to a generation. We just can't say this generation is like this and that's their mindset. They're never going to change. No, I mean, yeah, we have our, a strong foundation and we're rooted in it. And it, it is challenging to get us to see other things and see how uh, other people do things. Not saying that it's not challenging. Um, but we are capable of learning how other generations think, how other workers think, how other people operate, and we can adjust accordingly, you know. And I may not agree with everything. I'm not saying agree with everything, but I can understand where you're coming from. And if I understand where you're coming from, then I can mesh better with you because I get why you're doing this. I get why you're, you know, you're coming at things this way or, you know, this is how you work. I get that, you know. Um let me share what I do and maybe we could meet in the middle, you know, find a happy medium. And this is what we can do. You know, as long as we're productive, meeting our goals, meeting our quotas, meeting our metrics, doing what we need to do as far as our contractual obligations, then we're good, you know. Um, but yeah, the different generations. Let me uh, just break it down real quick, because like I said, I'm, I'm, I want to wrap this up before hour. y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Um, but the different generations, we know we have. Um, and I'm going to fo focus on four, I believe there's seven, and you can check it out, like I said, on the website. Um, you know, you got baby boomers, 1946 to, to 1964, as far as when they were born. Gen X, born 1965 through 1980. Millennials, my generation, whoop, whoop, stand up. Nah, but uh, 1981 through 1995, as far as the year you were born. And Gen Z, born 1996 to 2010. So, you know, the the box and when we look at the box and it is i got some great information on this so I, I really want you guys to check this out because like i said this is kind of eye-opening because it helps us relate um and can help us and teach us how to to relate with other you know generations but uh on the on the the blog site but um uh baby boomers they're just real quick some of the characteristics strong work ethic transparent um, far as how you reach them, you want to give them, you know, recognize their accomplishments, make time for face to face interactions and give them opportunities to mentor. That's what you want to do for baby boomers, boomers to kind of motivate them to, and get them involved. Gen X, their strengths are they're entrepreneurial, educated, um, encourage them to pursue leadership roles. A lot of Gen Xers, they do like to be in leadership and they typically have that um tenacity or they have that mindset to overcome and and if you sow that seed and you kind of encourage them and kind of give them opportunities here and there they'll probably blossom into that type of leader because that's kind of their mindset and this is from uh sorry let me get get my facts straight here this is from um getapp.com so if you go to getapp.com you can find this information about generations on there and it's really helpful like i said it's, it really helped me put things in perspective when it came to um and and looked and looking over my leadership journey and my management journey and my career it, it put how we put things in perspective it's like okay i see that i saw that type of person and i, I should have capitalized more they were fired like gen z man they're fired up they got great ideas i should have capitalized on that more you see what i'm saying instead of looking at what experts are saying and know what maybe you know society saying co co-workers colleagues are saying about this type of man them gen, gen z's are slackers they're lazy instead of listening to that i should have looked at capitalizing on the strengths so we have to start with the strengths of each generation and start to build them up in that regard to really 
get productivity and, and really help them reach their full potential. But um, my, my generation, um, collaborative, impact oriented, um, that's kind of the millennials. We're kind of like that. We and it was good is to provide us with opportunities to collaborate with co-workers and give regular feedback and praise on the work. Um, that's kind of how we are. Explain the impact of our contribution. We want to know how things are. And I'm like, man, this <laughs> getapp.com knows my life because that's how I am. You know, I, I was more collaborative, though um, I, I did it on some things was introvert, uh, introverted, uh, especially when it came to my personal life and things like that. Um, I still wanted to be I, I love the collaborative effort on things and I like to see my team work collaboratively, you know, work as a team in harmony and unison. Um, and I try to delve into decentralization and try to not have a like hierarchy, but more so we're all on the, kind of the same level. Yeah, I'm the leader. And I, and of course, I, I can write you up and fire you and stuff like that. But I'm not trying to flex on that. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to focus on, hey, how can I use my leadership um uh, position to help you maximize your potential here, maximize your growth here, help you, you know, go down a career path you want to and, and advance your career how you want to while you're here under my leadership. How can I do that? Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're pretty they're pretty spot on with this. And I you know I really applaud them for getting this information. I think they just kind of did like different polls and, and, and consensus and things like that to get this um, data. But it's interesting. And like I said, I, I, I admonish you to check it out, leaders, um, aspiring leaders, leaders, businesses. I, I, you know, check out the generations and the mindset of workers. And that can help us, you know, really come up with a good plan uh, to maximize effectiveness. Because if, if, if we're doing that, everybody's winning. You know, we want everybody to win. Employees are happy. You know, the client's happy. We're happy. Everybody's making money. Things like that. You know, we want it to be on that level, man. So how can we do that? Granted, we got bills we got to pay. We got, you know, maybe got some uh, penalties or whatever you got to deal with. And, you know, people over the budget are, you know, they have to, they, we have to look at those who are over finance, finances and the budget and things like that marketing sales we have to look at how we can um for one how, learn how to pitch things to different you know potential uh clients um, but also learn how to um interact with our employees to maximize the professionalism and proficiency of every department in our program and our organization we got to learn how to do that because everybody's going to win in that regard you're not going to have the client coming down on us because the attrition's high and people not doing their job but it's going to be no, not saying we're not going to have seasons. I'm not not naive to not to, to think that um, there's not going to be problems. There is going to be issues that we have to overcome, but it'll be easier to overcome those issues if these things are established when it comes to how we you know treat our workers and how they understand the workforce and how we understand where they're coming from when it comes to their their job and how they want, want to work and how they want to maneuver. So it's going to be a, it's a win-win situation. So I just admonish you guys to check that out. But um, we want to use mentoring. We want to use reverse mentoring uh, when it comes to it. Reverse mentoring and reverse coaching is really helpful, especially when you're trying to see where people are coming from um, with their work ethic and their mindset. Or if they even understand the training materials, you want to reverse coach. Hey, teach me how to do this. Like, okay. Instead of me teaching you how to do this, you teach me how to do it, right? So you'll see some holes. You maybe see some gaps in their game, and then you correct it when the time comes. But you also may see they know their stuff. I'm going to leave you alone and keep rocking and rolling, right? So um, look at that. Mentoring, reverse mentoring. These are, this is how we bring the generations together and understand how even though there's differences and even though we may disagree, uh, agree to disagree on certain things, we could come together on this, right? Work. We know the we know the the goals. We know the mission. We know what we're trying to accomplish here when it comes to our job, right? Um, even when it evolves, the core the core uh, mission is still there. The core vision is still there. Helping people, meeting client expectations, you know, following policies and procedures. The core is there, right? And so you know, we know what the goal is. So. Though my way to get to the goal may be a different avenue, different path, we still got the same goal we're trying to get to, right? So I'm coming from the left, you coming from the right, the other person coming from the middle, and, and you know, so we're still going to the same destination, right? Should be anyway, when it comes to our goals um, as an organization, as a business, as a department. So um, we got to expand the communications, man. We got to send the same mes message across the board. Make it available 
for, you know, everyone, you know, and we can't look at, like I said, don't uh, discriminate, don't look at different uh, generations like they're not capable of learning this, you know, you can't look at a baby boomer and be like, you're too old to learn how to use online functions and new apps and things like that. You can't look at that. We can't look at Gen uh, Z or my, my generation. Nah, y'all don't know how to work good. You don't know how to read uh, um, documents. You know, we can't, we can't come at each other like that. You know, we have to be open. We have to focus on the strengths because if we focus just on the strengths aspect, we can look on sharpening that. We can look on building on that instead of tearing each other down. Because you look at the negative, of course, you're going to, that's going to, you know, we're going to expound on that and that's going to tear, we're going to tear each other down and we don't want to do that. So we want to work towards building a culture that everyone feels like they belong to, right? Um, intergenerational, right? We have conversations about this is kind of what my generation did. I'm, I, this is kind of how I was raised. You know, I, I, this is kind of my work history and things like that. And, and if you listen, especially when it comes to water cooler talk and things like that, when you listen to the voice of the people, um, you could get the temperature. You can gauge where things are at because people are either complaining a lot or they're praising a lot or they're in the middle to where they're not saying much of anything. And when that's kind of a, I'm kind of getting a little bit nervous when it comes to that because what are, are y'all good? I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like y'all y'all self-sufficient. So I don't know if everything is good or not, but you know, let me know. <laughs> so that, that, that not saying much is kind of a neutral situation, but um, but they're gonna they're gonna let you know where they're at when it comes to their mindset and their um if they're happy with what they're doing and if they're content with where things are going and and if they're motivated and if they're if we're in a good place you know because it feels good to be in a good place and it seems like everything is gelling together because it doesn't feel good when it's not and you know the differences in in those situations so but learning the generations it, it, it's it's piv- it's pivotal. To the success of us as leaders and our organization and business as a whole. So, um, I hope you got some from this. Um, there's a lot, like I said, there's a lot to unpack here um, when it comes to quiet quitting because I kind of meshed two topics together, but I feel like they did correlate. You know, because your mindset d- deals with a lot of and your how you were raised and your upbringing and and what generation you come from um, and what you what you see and what influences you. Um, does impact how you work and does impact how you carry yourself as a person um, and how you see life and, and your perspective. It does impact all of that and impacts all of that for us. So I wanted to kind of mesh both of these ideas together um, so it can help us, you know, because at the end of the day, we want to to be as eff- effective as possible in our niche, as impactful as pos- possible in our market. And we want to be, you know, impactful, um, is reaching people profitable yes you want to be profitable but if it's just about profit and not about people then it's not going to work you know eventually it's going to fall by the wayside eventually it's not going to get to where it could be yeah you may make money but you're losing a lot of people and have a bad reputation and things like that so you know how can you get it to where it's you know, the good outweighs the bad because it's going to be challenges. There's going to be people who just don't like it and going to hate or going to just, you know, talk bad about you regardless of what you do, good or bad. But, you know, how can we get it to a level to where it's more consistently positive, man? Like that's where that's my heart for leaders, because, you know, I, will, I have always going to I'm always going to have a heart for leaders. I was a leader. I still am a leader um, in this business genre, in this podcast world. Um, and I'm thankful for my listeners. Like I got listeners in several countries now, so I thank you for listening to my long-winded self. <laughs> you know, um, I hopefully you get some from from these podcast episodes. You know, and I probably do them a little more frequently. Like I said, I kind of have my own schedule, so I'm more focused. My kids are back in school. I'm more focused on spending time with family. So I'm thankful I got the luxury to to do this when I want to do this. So um, and for or feel encouraged or inspired to do this, like with the quiet quitting. Um, hashtag quiet quitting was what the whole thing was on TikTok. I, I was inspired by that because it made me <laughs> made me realize and made me suffer like uh, reevaluate my leadership uh, style and approach. And it was like, man, it was eye opening because I dealt with that, you know, so it kind of hit home for me. So when I'm inspired like that, I, I tend to like to write. Um, it's therapeutic, but it's also, uh, you know, hopefully I can help somebody with this. But, you know, um we have to look at that. We have to look at ways we can impact our people. 
Um, it has to be about the people first, man. It has to because if it's always going to be about if we're advocates for the people, um, then it's always going to be a situation to where, yeah, they could turn on you, but I'm still I can still say I did everything I could to help them. You know, I'm always going to be yeah, I was corporate, but I'm I'm not. I'm I'm kind of against the machine to be honest, man. Like I'm not, you know, I, I'm not against the leaders, but I'm against the machine of works workers in a cog. You know, they're just wheels in a cog, um, and that's not the case, you know. So I'm against that mentality. You know, if that's the mentality, and uh, I say quote unquote machine, um, that if that's the mentality of it, then I'm not for that, you know, because I don't see them as cogs, man. They're people like us, you know. <laughs> We're no better, you know. You know, they have the same potential to, to be where we're at, you know. So but I'll leave you with this. You know, if you want to stay in the nine to five realm and just work your nine to five and go home, that's fine. Stay that way. However, if you feel yourself being unfulfilled, unhappy, um, not like, you know, feel like you don't have purpose with that and you want more, then I encourage you to start looking into how you can do that. Because it does take hard work. The hustle culture, I mean, it's it's truth to it, man. Like, it does work. You get up early, you, you make things happen. You get up early, you can get a lot th- of things done early. And then you can have the rest of your day to do whatever, chill or whatever. But, you know, it does help, you know. I mean, but do what, like, whatever time you want to wake up or whatever time you think is going to be best for you to be as productive as possible to get your dream and your passions off the ground, then do that, you know. Um but I, I, I understand it because I, I hustled. I worked hard. I grinded. I did what I had to do. I, I was a part of the grind. So and I see the benefits of it. So if I say that to say if you are in that position where you're not happy um, doing just the bare minimum, then you have to look at how can I put myself in a position where I can go above and beyond because that's what it's going to take. So it's going to take for you to have your own. If you want your own, you're going to have to make it happen. Nobody's going to give it to you. Nobody's going to make it happen for you. You know, this podcast episode, me being long-winded, <laughs> that's, that's you know what I'm saying? Like, I have to do, like, not being long-winded, but I, I have to make the effort to do this. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because I want to do it. Like, believe it or not, this is something I want to do. And I'm not the greatest at it, but I'm, I'm working on it. I, I took the step to do it, and I want to get better and better as the time goes on. I'm trying to sharpen and learn more about um, this craft so I can get better at it, you know? Um, so that's that's the whole thing. If, if, if it's a passion of yours, you're going to have to get up and do it. You're just going to have to make up your mind and do it. Nobody's going to make you. Nine to five, you have to do that job. That's what you signed up for, right? To make the, to get that paycheck every two weeks or whenever you get it, you have to do the work. But to work on your own, where you're not, or to be an entrepreneur or do your own business, uh, pr- pursue your own passions, nobody's going to pay you for that until it gets to a point where they will pay you for it <laughs> to make enough noise to where, to where they they hear you. Um, you know, and if it happens that way, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, I, like I said, I'm I'm surprised I got listeners right now in other countries and, and it got as far as it did with this podcast. So I'm thankful, you know, I'm thankful for what I got so far. You know, I don't do this to survive. So I'm thankful, you know, I'm in a position to do my hobbies without worrying about a check, you know, because um, that's where more passion comes in. It's like, you know, I do it because I really want to to do it, you know. And not just for a check. So if you want to be in that position, you're going to have to work. And that's the truth of the matter. You're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to work above the bare minimum to get to that point. So, but hopefully you got something for this. And hopefully you're you're encouraged uh, by this. I would uh, admonish you to look at uh, NotYourAverageBoss.com, the post, Quiet uh, quiet Quitting, Thinking Outside the Generational Box. And look up the the term Quiet Quitting and kind of see what other people's stories are about it. And you can see some things that you can relate to. And probably be inspired by because it's like I feel you you know and and businesses need to look at it too because you can be like hey there's something to this because if this is the mindset just like with the um, great resignation if this is the mindset of people because of the pandemic we want to spend more time with loved ones we want to we value our lives more and we value our personal time more we value the work life or the 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 more so the the home life more um then we have to look at that and adjust accordingly. You know, if we can hire more people to do more of the job tasks instead of piling it on people's plates that already work there, then we need to do that. Yeah, it may cost more money, 
but you're going to keep people happier and keep them there longer in the long run. So what do we want? You know, you're going to cost it's going to cost more money to retrain somebody that leaves or about the same amount. So either way, you're going to spend the same money. So look at, you know, hiring more people to help with the workload, you know, um, I know that's a that's, I'm not saying it like it's easy. I know it's not easy. Like I'm, I'm not trying to be hard on y'all leaders, man, or businesses, but I am trying to encourage you to and admonish you to think about your employees more because I know things could get hectic and pressure of making ends meet or, or making um, quotas and paying bills and, and things like that and making clients happy and things like that. Meeting obligations. I get that's a lot of pressure on the side of a upper management CEO or leadership, upper management. I get that. Um, however, we have to consciously and on purpose be more present for our, our employees, man, and, and create a situation to where they're as content as possible. Because like I say, you're not going to make everybody happy all the time, right? But if they're content as possible, then they're going to be motivated enough to do what they need to do to keep the business going. And keep the client happy and everybody's eating. So, and that's what we want at the end of the day. So hopefully once again, I'm closing again. <laughs> uh, thank you for, for listening. Um, like I said, check out the resources on notyouraverageboss.com. Check out the blogs. A lot of good stuff there. But I really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. I know you could be doing anything. You listen to a lot of other great people um, or people who are more established, people who know a lot more than me, but you're listening to me and I really appreciate that. And I hope, hopefully, um, you could benefit from it. So this is Adrian Hackney, Not Your Average Boss, signing off.